Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Glowatz. Ben writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today under the L tracks. Welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> it's cold under these L tracks, Dave. They don't have heaters in the tracks. Yes. You know that. Today, however, we're talking about your article that appeared in the Reader on April 4th, 2013. It's titled, The Crowded Classroom Approach to Fixing Schools. Oh, yes. Comes back now? Yes. This article details the crowded conditions of an elementary school that, depending on whom you speak with, is called Dever Elementary or Dever Elementary. That is correct. And its ability somehow to teach kids rather well, even though it's crowded. Yes. One of the things that I was trying to figure out is what the average class size is in the school. Do you know that? 31, approximately. How does that compare to other schools, do you think? Well, that's right where the union contract says it should be. The school I was at today it was, was one of the schools that are about to uh, close. I was visiting a school that's about to be closed. I just saw some classes walking through the hallway, and there were, those class sizes looked to be 20 to 25. So I would say that uh, most schools in Chicago, it's around 30 per class if it's a well-used school. And if it's a school on the list to be closed, it's probably around 25 or so. I personally, for what it's worth, and I think 31 is really pushing the limit of how many you want to have in a class and still be effective, particularly without aids to the teachers. The teachers are alone in the class. One of the reasons that they have such a large class size is Dever Elementary or Dever Elementary has an enrollment surplus of 230 students according to your article. But despite that, they have what you say, one of the city's highest scoring neighborhood schools. Relatively high scoring neighborhood schools. That is correct, Senator. So one might conclude that overcrowding and by extension, larger class size doesn't necessarily correlate to poor school performance. You could conclude that if you wanted to be really stupid, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's my job here. I'm sorry. You know, it's also true that the rooster crows in the morning and the sun rises, so one could conclude that the sun rises because the rooster crows. I believe it's a really well-functioning school. The teachers are encouraged to, you know, be as creative as they can be with the limitations in the classroom, that the parents uh, eagerly participate in the school. They're welcomed in the school. There's a feeling of community in the school. There's some really enterprising teachers there who are like the music teacher I've heard a lot of great things about. Now we get into the whole correlation between economics and performance. I believe it's roughly 60% low income. 60% of the kids are getting lunches. So, you know, in that regards, it's not 100% low income. So there's always going to be some correlation there. Though I might add, I will add that according to recent census data, the Dunning community in which it resides has one of the lowest percentage of people living in poverty in the city? Oh, first of all, people could be cheating and getting a free lunch where they don't deserve it. I doubt that. But the people who go to the schools are probably poorer than the people in the community as a whole, if you follow what I'm saying. So like, there are those people who don't have kids but live in the community or have kids but send them to private school. And it is a neighborhood school, so it, it draws only from the neighborhood. That is correct. So the neighborhood is bursting at the seams. It's a lot of young families living there, so that produces more kids going to the school. I thought it would be interesting to take a look at the geography, not that this is geography class. A map. I have here 
a map of the Dunning area, the northwest side, west northwest side of Chicago. Where did you get this map? This is from the Chicago Public Schools website. It shows all the schools in the area. I love these maps. The thing I want to point out about this one is that this neighborhood, Dunning, is sandwiched in between Norwich on the north side, the suburb of Norwich, yes. and Elmwood Park on the south side. Two of my favorite suburbs. And it kind of juts out, this little bit of Chicago juts out right. south of the airport here. Yes. And there's only one school to the west. Yes, and it's overcrowded too. Canty. Yeah. And one to the east, which is Bridge. Mm-hmm. This is the only school that kids in that neighborhood can go to. And if you look farther on this map to the east and northeast and southeast, they're thick with schools. There are many schools close to each other, but here Deaver's kind of out on this island. Your first question is really gets to the heart of things because all the parents kept telling me and the teachers I talked to as well, you know, we really like this school. You know, we want to stay here. We want to make it work, but it's too crowded. We need some assistance. We need some relief. Build some more classrooms. They should have lobbied to have a nearby school closed. <laughs> Then they could be a welcoming school and get iPads. <laughs> yes. Uh, they get iPads. That's correct. Close your school and you'll get an iPad. <laughs> oh, wow. On another subject, we're in the midst of another round of public meetings that the school system is conducting for every one of the 50-odd schools that it's planning to close, mm-hmm. after which the Board of Education will make its final decisions. Yes, as if it hadn't been made <laughs> Already. Well, the mayor has said that the time for negotiation is over. Yeah, so what's with the meetings? Yeah. Well, they're required, I guess, required by law. Yeah, so we'll have them anyway. <laughs> so any any take on those? Have you been to any or are planning to go? Yes, I plan to go. I missed the first day. I've been to a lot of these meetings, about three of them now, throughout this process, and I've started going on some of the walks. You and I both know that this is just a huge dog and pony show. As you said, there's a law that requires a certain procedure, and they're just playing it out. The mayor has decided, for whatever reason, he really wants to close a lot of schools, clearly more schools than we need to close, that uh, whatever savings we're going to make financially. It started off as a financial issue, you know, where he's talked about how the system was a billion dollars in debt and we needed to uh, save money, so we're going to close schools. And that didn't really play well with the audience, so he sort of transferred it into a educational issue that the children <laughs> somehow had other in their best interest to send kids to overcrowded schools because they're not learning well in the schools that they have. So let's just try overcrowded schools for a chance. You've watched the evolution of the message. Yeah. The message initially that we need to save money, but now it's not a financial reason. It's for the kids. Yeah, yeah, it's for the kids, although they still claim a financial reason. When it comes to the city of Chicago or the Board of Education dealing with numbers, I don't believe anything they say. We've learned that from the TIF program. These meetings are tough to take because um, there's an edge of desperation on the part of the parents and the teachers who show up, and there's the reality that nobody's listening to them. In fact, the response to what they're saying is a canned one. Actually, I just read it in a Tribune editorial today. We appreciate that change is hard and we feel real bad about changing you, but in the long road, and you know, this is good for you. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Papa McCormick. Yeah, I mean, I could just shake my head and laugh at it. Of course, I'm not affected by it. I'm not a teacher or a principal who will be losing my job or, you know, a cafeteria worker who will be losing my job or, uh, you know, people being laid off. I mean, that's part of what this is all about, just getting rid of jobs. 
And uh, I'm not a parent who has to worry about getting my kid to a new school and making all those adjustments. And I'm not the kid who has to schlep to a new school. So I suspect that uh, that's also part of the political equation that Mayor Emanuel very shrewdly is limiting the damage, you know, if you will, to, um, oh, I don't know, a very vulnerable segment of the population. It's a, a larger version of what we talked about earlier with the mental health clinic closings. So it's not necessarily racist on the administration's part, but opportunistic. Yeah, it's opportunistic. That whole racist debate, which the Tribune and the Sun-Times have come out against, that debate began when Karen Lewis said, how could you not call this racist? Let's not pretend, I believe it's, I'm paraphrasing, let's not pretend this is not racist because these are black schools being closed. And then, of course, Civic Chicago felt it must correct her because there is no racism in Chicago. There never has been, okay? In our post-racial society. <laughs> We're in a post-racial society that began after the Civil War. <laughs> People just don't want to have to deal with the fact that when it comes to race and politics in Chicago, we've just been had an abysmal time of it. And that in many ways, this is just a outgrowth of policies that go back to warehousing, you know, storing black people in the high rises rather than have them integrate neighborhoods. You know, a policy that goes back to the really goes back to the post World War II years when Chicago's political leaders had to deal with the fact that more and more black people were moving to the city and white people didn't like that. And so um, we've evolved in many different ways, but now we're sort of like pulling the plug on these poor black neighborhoods, which have already lost tremendous amounts of population for a whole bunch of different reasons, part of which is that the black middle class that had an opportunity has left and the city has torn down the projects to a lot of poor people who've been moved out or no longer live where they used to live. So now, okay, let's move in on the schools and finish off the job. Well, it's not even clear that you need to close this many schools. And what are the consequences of closing all these schools on the kids who live there now? Furthermore, what are the consequences on those communities if you're going to deprive them of like a major source of income in terms of jobs and just a source of development? You know, what impact is that going to have in your communities? Well, I get the feeling that that's not discussed. I haven't heard much of that. I have heard some reporting around the impact of losing a school, which is often the center of a community or looked to as a place that houses things other than classes, you know, the people go to for public meetings, et cetera. But I haven't heard anybody talking about the economic and societal impact of loss of all those jobs. It's not a discussion that happens much. You and I were both at a meeting at South Shore High School, October, November, and uh, that's the first time I'd thought about this in this terms where the water center workers were protesting about the fact that their jobs were being outsourced. They were all municipal employees and as such were required to live in the city of Chicago. And that's when it hit me like, well, you know, this is sort of an investment that we, the city, are making, not just in these people and their families, but in the communities where they live. And the savings that we get from outsourcing these jobs to companies based, in this case, in Japan, really should be tremendous to justify cutting off that source of money to communities that really need it. And when you took a close look at it, it was negligible at best, just like the savings we're getting and closing the schools are negligible at best, particularly since in trying to ward off the outcry of opposition, he keeps promising more and more things, probably which he won't deliver. So, you know, you know, like iPads and, you know, it's funny, all of a sudden they're talking about bandwidth. 
I take full credit for that because the people at Dever were telling me they don't have enough bandwidth to get their computers working. And we mentioned that in the story, and lo and behold, to the list of things that uh, the mayor added, was, I should have thrown in other things like you know season tickets to the Bulls games <laughs> or something, seeing if he would have followed me there. The, the mayor has an agenda uh, in this particular case. He's determined that we got to close these schools because we don't want to waste the money, and somehow or other that's evolved into then we can have more money that we don't have to spend on the kids that we're not spending enough on already, so that he's just determined to do that. He's supported by corporate Chicago on it, so uh, he's not going to pay for it. He'll continue to get campaign contributions and the support of the civic community. This reminds me, did you see the Sun-Times analysis? I think it was Monday. They tried very hard to find out just exactly how much money the system would save. And the number they came up with, as I recall, was $43 million, at least in the first year. I saw that. That was the editorial where they weighed the costs of— All the things are giving to welcoming schools, the cost of maintaining the current schools. It was a very confusing article. In the end, it was like, well, what are we saving? And Thus maybe a good reason for the administration to shift its message from the economic advantage to the advantage to children. Well, there's two reasons. One, because the economic advantages are so difficult to see because they probably aren't there. And the other one, it just sounds pretty callous to say, well, we don't really care what we do to the kids. We want to save some money. I could actually appreciate them more if they were just honest and said, we don't really care about the kids. You know, so now they've turned it into, this is all about helping kids. So we're saving money on heating bills and we're going to plow it into the kids. In the time I've been in Chicago, I can't see is how any program has really benefited any poor person in this town. That's all we've got time for. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. Listeners, have we screwed up? Are there things you'd like us to talk about? Let us know that via Facebook or Twitter. Search for Inside Chicago Government. Email us via contact at shygov.com. And you can subscribe to automatic downloads to all of Inside Chicago Government's print and audio reporting by going on your web to shygov.com. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.